Hey nerds, welcome to the podcast. This is future post-edit Matt jumping in once again just to say a quick hello and to give a bit of a caveat for this episode. For this episode, I went back to go and interview our very first co-host, Anna Plajewski, and make her our queer note of honour because she's just such a fantastically interesting person. However, the day we recorded this, it turns out I was quite ill and having way too much fun, which meant I completely forgot to introduce our co-host, Karis Brantley. So don't forget to go and give them some love. Karis was our queer note of honour for episode 5, so if you want to hear more about them, please do go check out episode 5 featuring Karis Bradley and Oz Ismail. But in the meantime, now that all that nonsense is out the way, I do hope you enjoy this episode with Anna Vlajewski and Karis Bradley. See you in the past, but also the future, which is 10 seconds from now for you, but was several weeks ago for me. Let's get into it. Hi friends, welcome to QWERTY. I, I don't know why I go so posh at the start. Um, I'm your host, Matt J. Young. I'm a scientist and... This is the show. Today's queer note of honor for this episode is, um, you've heard it before, she's the material girl from the material world who crossed an ocean with her limbs. It is Anna Pajajski. <laughs> Hello. I Every time I cross an ocean, I do it like with my limbs. <laughs> what, your limbs are sitting down on an aeroplane? Yeah, and like, I take them with me. They come with me. <laughs> I don't leave them behind. Anna Pajajski, <laughs> tell the lovely people who you are. Hi, I'm Anna Pajajski. I'm a gay cis woman, material scientist, um, and channel swimmer and trumpet player. Woo! And so sometimes fancy. comedian and writer and stuff. Do you, uh, I, don't, I don't suppose, just do you happen to have like a fortnightly podcast or? Do you know what? It's so funny you should ask me that. <laughs> Because I actually do. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called? So it's called Real Talk. Is, it, is that a is that a pun? It actually is a pun on material. Um, because it's a podcast about materials. So you've chosen a, a visual th- pun. It's a visual pun on a completely audio medium. Although this week I did launch our first uh, YouTube channel. <gasps> Ooh, congrats! It's called Real Talk TV. So Real Talk is spelled apostrophe R I A L. And you can find us on the internet. Real. Yeah. Real. Like material. Like material. Real. Talk. Real talk. Yeah. And basically it's a podcast about materials and I interview people um, who are not from the same kind of material background as myself. So it's often like artists or like professionals that work with materials like dentists who work with mercury or even or just teeth. people. Teeth isn't a material. What? But tooth enamel is a material. I thought the whole ethos of your thing is that everything can be a material. You can definitely make it. Teeth could be. You could make a jacket out of teeth. I suppose you probably could. Anyway. It would be a gross thing. But anyway. It would be awful. <laughs> it, it sounds like Lady Gaga would wear it. Um, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, so I interview people um, and we talk about materials. I mean, you sometimes make things on the podcast. Um, so the first video on our YouTube channel is from when I made, it was an episode about titanium and I made a titanium squiggle, which I'm actually wearing right now on a necklace. Um, and titanium is usually like silver colored, but if you heat it with a blowtorch, then it goes blue, which is really cool. And so the video is of me blowtorching a little titanium squiggle. I thought it was a snake. I legit thought it was a snake and I was actually going to say, Hey Anna, that's a really cool necklace. Thank you. But now that you know that it's made of titanium, you're like, ugh. It's surprisingly lightweight. No, no, I, st- I still want one. <laughs> oh my God, where did you get it? Where did you get it? I made it with my bare lady hands. <laughs> my bare lady hands. 
Um, is Real Talk TV going to host our cooking show? OMG. Um, maybe we should think of a different name for it, but yeah. You doing it? Are we doing a cooking show? Who's so doing a cooking show? We we re- like tried to get together quite regularly to make vegan baked goods, and yes, we currently I mean. have a good system of making one thing that goes amazingly, and then one utter disaster. It's not that we try to do that, but that is generally what happens. And that is like the perfect dynamic for a hilarious YouTube duo. It's true because you learn from the one that goes well and you the one laugh that goes <laughs> and you also and the learn from wrong. the one that doesn't go well but it's funny for example never tried to make a tray bake of jaffa cakes oh my god the jaffa cakes were so bad <laughs> oh uh, what was that jelly called um so we used uh this jelly powder that my girlfriend brought me back from singapore um so it's vegan jelly made of agar yes and it is like if you had grown up eating this jelly, you're like, oh, lovely jelly. If you've grown up eating jelly made out of cow gelatin, mm. which, when upon reflection, like definitely a worse, th- like Much weirder greater. thing to yeah. eat. Awful. Yeah. The, like the texture of the two are very, very different. Yeah, so it was I, not what we were it's, expecting. It, it, it's quite the shock. I mean, the first time I had like agar, 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 whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, the it, packet it, says agar, 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 agar. Yeah, it, it does. They just like, they, they love it so much. They just keep naming it. It's after itself. Like. It's jolly firm and it like it's got bite to it. Slide a around bite. a lot. You could like we could pick it up like very the whole slab, um, and then it di- like we didn't know how much jelly the packet was going to make, so there was more jelly than sponge. And we tried making the sponge with some of the vegan egg powder, so the sponge was definitely the worst Awful. element yeah. of the Jaffa cakes. Like not even like when you fuck up a cake. And it's like cake mixture, so it's still delicious. Yeah. Like it wasn't even delicious in its cake mixture, non-cooked no. form. Um, and then we made the jelly separate to the sponge, so like they weren't even connected. <laughs> so and the jelly isn't orange-flavoured, so instead of orange-flavoured jelly, we put marmalade on top of the disgusting sponge and then put agar jelly on top of that. <laughs> so I, it was I just like <laughs> slipping around. I think I want to <laughs> see like everywhere. a great... <laughs> I want to see a great British bake-off, but with like you two... And other people who are kind of making things that have never been made before. Well, this is the YouTube channel, you see. And then we and then we did melt loads of dark chocolate on the top. Yeah, and that bit, that layer was nice. That was great. So Anna, um, I'm not going to ask about any more cooking stuff for now because <laughs> I'm actually horrendously hungry, <laughs> and we've been oh. on uh, gone on amazing tangents already. Um, you are a doctor of materials, are you not? True fact. She indeed. is doctor. Mm-hmm. to you all um but nowadays uh you do something slightly different tell us about that you mean my day job yeah your day job well we I'm... always get we always get the professional bit out of the way first and then we can go and ask you um, about trumpets fine 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 my fave subject yeah so um i work as a postdoc research fellow at ucl's institute of making which is kind of an amazing materials department um the 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 theory behind it is that we should not only learn about materials and engineering through like lectures and graphs and doing maths, but we should actually like make with our hands and learn about making processes and materials processes like in the workshop and actually kind of make stuff. So we've got a workshop where anyone who's a staff or student at UCL can become a member and then come and make stuff. So we've got like your normal workshop staff, like tools and like big scary cutting machines. Um, we've got a bunch of 3D printers and laser cutters. Um, and there's also an incredible materials library. 
which was actually how the Institute of Making first came about. Um, and it's a collection of all sorts of weird and wonderful materials and they've been made by all sorts of weird and wonderful making processes. <laughs> Sorry. So not an actual library <laughs> with books. So like a collection of these amazing materials, Oh yeah, right? it's objects. So okay. there's a whole wall of like objects and materials in glass bottles. Um, and there's a few quite delicate slash uh, not very safe materials behind glass, which are things like uranium glass oh, and okay. aerogel and cool stuff like that. Is aer aerogel's not safe? Uh, no, it's very delicate though, so we don't oh, want okay. people like scrunching it up. If you've not heard of it before, could you explain what aerogel is? Because I think it's so cool. So aerogel um, is usually made of silica, although in the original paper, um, they made it with all sorts of other materials, including egg whites. And I've tried to oh. recreate this and it's extremely difficult and it doesn't look as cool as silica No, no one can even make meringues, even on Bake Off. Like, uh, what makes, but we what makes can make meringues. Th it's true, we can. We, that was one of our more successful bakes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, aren't they vegan ones with no actual with, egg white? Uh, no, yeah. You make them, yeah, make them with um, uh, aquafaba. It's true. Amazing. Uh, but you see, that's probably why it was like really hard to make aerogel out of it because like no one can even make like actual egg white meringue. anyway anyway i mean yeah <laughs> so the normal aerogel that you get is made of silica um and which is like same stuff as what glass is mostly made of um but aerogel is 90 at least 99.5 percent air so it's like it it kind of looks like solid cloud and so like when you look through it it's kind of like whitey bluey and it's like see-through and it's super super lightweight and it's awesome have you made any materials? Well, I tried to make egg white aerogels. <laughs> um, my whole PhD was making hydrogen storage materials. But didn't you recently make a paper with a humorously named material? <laughs> yes, I did. Leading question. Many for thanks for mentioning answer. my most recent su professional success, <laughs> which are sometimes few and far between. Um, my most recent paper um, is about a 3D printed chainmail which um normally when you well it's made of plastic it's made of nylon um but the type of 3d printing that we use is something called selective laser sintering which means that you have a big bed of plastic like really fine powdered plastic um and you use a laser to f um, melt that plastic together in specific places and you do that layer by layer and so you build up a 3d object so we made chainmail in that way but because it's from a powder the chainmail itself comes out really like um porous so what we do is we dip that porous material into ferrofluid, which is magnetic oil-based liquid. And then the material like sucks it up like a sponge. Um, and then so it becomes like magnetic plastic, basically. Oh, so we made cool. magnetic plastic chainmail, um, And the metallic nanoparticles inside the ferrofluid are um, like iron-based. And the chemical symbol for iron is Fe. And so, because it's chainmail, I titled this material that had been developed by myself and some colleagues as female. F-E-M-A-I-L. -E <laughs> um, I love it. And it's... nobody said anything. And now it's like well published and, it... and stuff. Is it in, did you put it into your library? Uh, it's no, but I could, should do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that is that is really really cool. Uh, no reviewers said anything when you were putting that through about the title. They didn't. No. They were like, "What a great title!" No, that's just rude. That's just that's just plain rude. I know, <laughs> but it's also really funny. I love it, and congratulations. Thank you. Well, 
moving on now. Okay, serious things done. Blah, blah, blah. Um, don't yeah, care Anna's, about that Anna's very successful. Yes, we all get it. Yes, I know. Like, <laughs> literally no one cares. Okay, shut up. Didn't you, like, win an award for your PhD? Um, yep. Pass with no corrections. <laughs> what, what was it called? Yep. That award? Like, it was a really, like, insignificant one, right? I mean... He's being sarcastic. Well... I don't know which award Because <laughs> she's got so bloody many. I don't know. You, weren't you like young something of the something in the year? Um... <laughs> young engineer of the year 2017. <laughs> I mean, well, look, the okay. The funny, the funny thing about my most recent award, which was um, an award for writing a really good thesis out of the physics department, was that I had a really terrible time through like, I'm going to say it, like sexual harassment and bullying during my PhD that um, when I won this award, I was like, fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the money, but fuck you. (laughs) I mean, well done, but also like, I'm very jealous. Literally the only award I've won, it was at school and I didn't even earn it. It was on a sports day and like, uh, we were 14 or something. You've like gestured at me. The, <laughs> sorry, I mean, I wasn't oh, sorry. There. I, was gest- I was gesturing to throw a javelin. It was for javelin. <laughs> nice. And um, no, but I didn't throw it. I, oh. I threw it um, really badly and it, I turned it and it hit the back of my head and it fell down in front of me. And then a week later in an assembly, they were like, and the award for furthest javelin throw goes to Matt Young. And I was, and I actually went up to them afterwards because I was so like, like, no, like, did you not? Were you not there? It turns out something like the, something happened to the kid who got first place, and they were just like, he was in trouble basically. And so the PE teacher was just like, fine, we'll give it to Matt. He was literally the only other one who was there. Oh, babe. You're welcome, Javelin Master. Um, but yeah, the, I was trying to make a segue now between javelins and trumpets, but well, there is like literally no connection. They're both long, they're both they made both of metal in Roman times. They were mm-hmm. great. You're a you're a trumpet player in a <laughs> I, uh, band. I do play in a band. So not only do you have awards and, and stuff, you're also like in a band, which is just really cool. Like all the movie cool kids in movies. Well, hold that thought while I tell you exactly what the band is like. <laughs> so um, it's a funk and soul covers band, and we play um, funk and soul funk covers, and soul presumably. covers. Um, for mostly weddings these days, but it used to be for fun parties. <laughs> what's uh, what's your special offer if anyone's looking to hire? Well, we we have our usual rate for like a wedding gig, but we have a special offer, which is that if you want to hire us for your second wedding, then we'll <laughs> play for half price. <laughs> That's amazing. Hasn't even taken up that offer yet. No, not yet. But we're waiting for people to get divorced and remarry. <laughs> I'm sure people would like would do that just to like get a <laughs> get the best band. get the best band, yeah, for, sure. for, for cheaper price. A hundred percent. Like, how how long have you been playing trumpet for? Uh, that was, was that an impression. Uh, yeah, that was like this is how I play trumpet. <laughs> um, I've been playing it since I was 11 years old. So when have you had no? Um, so but you're good at it, basically. 17 years. You're pretty good at it. God, that's ages. Um, I'm relatively good. I actually, um, like, at a certain crossroads in my life, I was like, am I going to go to music college and become a trumpet player or am I going to go to uni and study science? Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what like, Made the that, right choice. that crossroad. Mm. Like, what, what was the, the, the tipping point that was like, no, I'll, I'll put trumpet aside for the time being and do science? Well, 
like I was kind of going through school and like doing exams and stuff and like studying science at A level and things. And I just kind of like speculatively applied to universities for like science to see how that would go. Um, and I got like some good offers. And so I was like, well, I should probably do that and just keep some trumpet as a sideline. Also, my mum said that you couldn't earn much money as a trumpet player, so. Whereas as a PD- PhD student, I mean, it's rolling a negligible it. difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, there is a common misconception that um, going into academia, getting a PhD is a gravy train. Um, I have actually seen people just throw that out there, especially on TV, where they're like, oh, all these like, you know, rich experts. It's like, no, it's not, not, not particularly a profitable I mean, it's all relative, situation. right? Like, yeah, well, true. you've cornered the plastic ferrofluid chainmail market, it's so true. that's a lucrative it's pattern true. to hold, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's nice because I can keep going with my trumpet stuff. And when I was at uni, I played in loads of bands and orchestras and all that kind of literally jazz um (laughs) and so this band that i'm currently playing in in london um is like a reformed version of one of the bands that i played in at uni so essentially what happened was we met at uni we played in this band for ages and then everybody left most people ended up coming to london and then a couple of or maybe like a year later someone was getting married and they were like oh can the band play um so have you seen the movie blues brothers yes so you know when they're like let's get the band back together and they ring around all their mates who were like in various stages of like neglect. Yeah. Um, that's what it was like getting the band back together for us. <laughs> Literally the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. The movie was based off your life. Essentially, yeah. Although it was probably out before I was born. But yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Have you ever had any like crossovers with your instrumental life and your science life? This is the first time that we met. Yes! It is. <gasps> Imagine that. Right. So, yeah, one of the so when I was doing my PhD in my first year, I did um, a course called An Introduction to Public Engagement with Dr. Steve Cross, who was currently head of public engagement at UCL. And um, I was like, because I'm a bit of a teacher's pet, basically. So like <laughs> in that course, you know, when like loads of people in the course aren't saying anything and you feel really sorry for the person running the course. So, you so say you're like really so vocal. Yeah. You're like, it's essentially like a two way dialogue. I'm always that person that like tries to do the nice thing and like um, contribute. So I was contributing loads in this thing. And then Steve came up to me afterwards and was like, you... um, uh, seem like a bit of a show off I think you should do Bright Club which is a comedy night for training researchers and academics in comedy skills to try and communicate their research using stand-up comedy in a comedy setting so I was like mm, that sounds terrifying um, but I did it and it was like actually super fun so after that point I got more and more into the public engagement side of doing science um, and a year or so later, after my first stand-up thingy, um, they would the public engagement unit were putting on like some kind of special like, um, what's the word like not exhibition but like collection or whatever of like some science communicators from UCL at the Bloomsbury Theatre, and so Steve asked me to do a thing and was like, you can basically do whatever you want, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? And it was in the Bloomsbury Theatre, which is like a 450-seater, like, relatively big theatre. So it was quite... So it was a big deal. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, I should 
go all out. So I was like, what things do I like? Well, I like trumpets. Why don't I do like the physics and material science of trumpets? So then I was like, I want to do a big demo for it. What can I do? And so I was Googling and stuff and I found something called a Rubens tube online. And a Rubens tube is a big long tube and you fill it with propane and you drill a series of holes along the top about an inch apart. Do you drill the holes before or after it's full of... Sorry, I said it the wrong way around. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tube. Keris is a, a method, methodology nut. <laughs> well, I just... If people are, like, building along at home, <laughs> I don't want them to set themselves on fire. That is absolutely the premise of this podcast. It's like, listen for build. multiple episodes until someone mentions something to do with building something and build along. Well, they're all going to be cross-stitching to the last one, so... <laughs> So what you do is you, well, what I did was I went to a, anyway, I'll tell you how it works first. So it's a big long tube and there's a series of holes drilled along the top. You fill it with propane. You light that propane that escapes from the holes on fire. So you've got a big long series of flames. On what on one end of the tube, you have a rubber membrane. When you play sound against the rubber membrane, um, the membrane transfers the sound waves into the propane that is in the tube. And sound waves are just areas of high and low air pressure that travel through um through the air but for musical instruments um if it's in a enclosed space for example a trumpet or a rubens tube then you set up something called a standing wave which is um where there's just areas of high and low air pressure that don't move and that is what maintains the sound it's like when you pluck a guitar string like you have areas of high and low like movement of the string um, same with air. And so in a Rubens tube, when you've got areas of high and low propane pressure, what ends up happening is at the areas of high pressure, you get big, tall flames and areas of low pressure, you get little flames. So essentially what it does is it visualizes sound waves using fire. That is pretty cool. Which is really cool. So anyway, I saw this online and I was like, OMG, I really want to do it. So I just become a member of the Institute of Making and I went to them and I was like, I want to make one of these. And they were like, awesome. So I toddled off down um, Tottenham Court Road and there's like this plumbing merchant's like on a little tiny back street, like cobbled back street. It, you feel like you're like in Dickensian London. You go to this <laughs> thing and you walk in and it's all full of like, like beautiful copper and brass, like fittings and pipes and like everything you would imagine a plumber's merchants to be. And I was like, how big is your biggest tube? <laughs> <laughs> I will have one tube, please, plumber man. <laughs> yeah. So I bought like the widest tube, which was probably like, about the same diameter as the width of your hand or whatever. Um, and then I had to like, it, I did it so that it was the length of the length of a trumpet, which is about one and a half meters, so that it would have the similar resonance to my trumpet so that I'd get the best wavy effect. So I got a hun- like 150 centimeters of copper pipe and then I had to walk down Tottenham Court Road with it, like some kind of like to me, to you, comedic <laughs> like event. And then <laughs> drilled a series of holes along the top Stuck a rubber membrane on the end, fitted a propane gas fitting to the other end, filled it with propane and tooted my trumpet down it. And the funny thing about the uh, the gig when it came up, I did all of this with like two days to go and it was the most stressful thing in the world. But <laughs> it was fine. Um, except one thing was that they delivered the propane gas cylinder three sizes too big. So I had like... <laughs> <laughs> really enormous amount of propane for actually what I was so going to be doing. you could have doing. done fire trumpet for days. Literally, probably for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
such a low pressure. Anyway, and then the other thing was that they just refurbished the Bloomsbury Theatre and the tech, as I was setting up, said, by the way, the screen that you're performing in front of costs £10,000 and this is the first day we've ever used it. So... And you were like, don't set it okay, on fire. Okay, how, how flammable is this? Yeah, is exactly. It, is it fire trumpet proof? Exactly. And then one of the other acts um, like exploded a load of disgusting like foam everywhere and got it all over the screen. Oh, God. <laughs> so I was At least it wasn't you. Hook. At least it wasn't Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. But anyway, yeah, that was the, that was the time. Yeah, I was doing the same gig. Yeah. Because I met Steve when I, I emailed the people who organised Bright Club at UCL to say... Uh, you do science comedy, right? I have this set about the different ways that spiders have sex. And they said, that is not what Bright Club is about. <laughs> but maybe maybe you want to try science show off and put me in contact with Steve. So I did a gig with Steve. And then I think someone dropped out from the gig that you were doing. Oh, cool. And so uh, you did this amazing fire trumpet. And then I think I did hear a, like like 10 female mathematicians that i think are kind of cool or something like that that sounds cool um but that's that's so i met you met you the first time i met you you did amazing fire trumpet the second time that i met you oh no you did you did a nine minute pun run oh yeah about <laughs> physicists and i still don't nine know nine minutes of puns i don't know which set i respect more <laughs> <laughs> And it was a true story about um, being mansplained about bicycle maintenance <laughs> outside the physics department. Yeah, with puns. I'm, I'm just trying to still imagine. I'm speechless. I'm trying to imagine what a nine minute pun run would look like. I think it might be on the internet because every now and again, my mum tells me that she's like emailed it to a relative. It's very simple to set up though because you just take, um, you take a pun tube and you drill <laughs> holes in it at regular intervals. <laughs> And then blow a fill trumpet it, into it for nine Fill minutes. it full of pun gas. <laughs> so um. Anna thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, telling us all about your fire trumpet materials adventures. You're jolly welcome. Thanks um, for having me. If people want to go and probe you and find out more about this nine minute pun run um, and other things, uh, how can they find you? Get in touch. You can find me online at Anna Pajajski. Shall I spell it? Yeah. Yeah, it's... go for it. I mean, we will have this in the um in the the, the doodad with the details. Okay. Well, if you just so happen to be at a search engine right now, you can search a double n a space p l o s z a j s k i, and I'm at Anna Pajarski on Twitter. Um, I deleted Instagram, so I'm probably there, but I'm not gonna look at anything that you say to me. So, where can people find Real Talk? Real Talk is at Real Talk R I A L Talk. And that's on Twitter. And we've also got a shiny new website, which is realtalk.com. And now on YouTube. And now on YouTube, Real Talk TV. Karis, thank you for co-hosting with me today. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to QWERTY. Uh, I've been your host, Matt J. Young. You can find me on Twitter. You can find the podcast on Twitter, but the podcast is more important. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, both at QWERTYPOD. Um, Give us some tweets. Tell us tell us what your thoughts are. Tell us how amazing our guests are. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. That was a great sign-off. I, uh... So is this what, like, you just made the whole podcast about holes in your cr crotch holes in jeans? You just about the inadequacies of trousers. Mm.
That is th- right. I freaking hate these maroon, gross, disgusting things. I had to dig them out of a box that I've had on the side because I was going to give them away to charity forever because all my jeans have crotch holes in constantly. And like, I keep getting grief from like my boyfriend and my parents. Are like, oh, just buy more expensive jeans. It doesn't work. No. I, something about my inner thigh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just like eats away at them. We and- could get Sophie Hagen could be our headliner. Mm-hmm. We could call it Trousers Inadequate. As a knockoff of chaotic autocrat. <laughs> I don't think that those two things are really <laughs> related. I we think we should call it the thigh gap. <laughs> but I, I oh, so I cycled. I once had to cycle from UCL down to Streatham for uh, badminton training, oh. and I caught my lycra um, in a, in a thigh of my lycra shorts on my bike seat just as I was leaving, and got a small <laughs> hole. And as I was cycling further and further south, the hole was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger until, like, when it was clapping, it was like most of my thigh. <laughs> 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 So I like basically was just I was I was cycling to Streatham with one leg like flapping and the when and then when I got to Streatham I had to go to Tesco's and buy an emergency pair of. Oh. Have you ever had it where the hole got so big and you didn't realize that the seat of your bike goes in it? Mm. I've had, it. <laughs> and it's like I've had that a couple of times and I didn't notice and then I'm trying to get off my bike and I fall and take my bike with me. I'm like, what the fuck has just happened? <laughs> my bike seat is like. Down my trousers. Your butt is just hanging out. Please tell me you're recording Basically. this for additional material. Absolutely. Because absolutely. also we. No, this is our new intro. Yeah. By the way, we need to start. Yes. <laughs> oh right. Okay. Yeah. Every say, pod, you should have like just the bands from the pre-record. We, we, we said we said that we'd be really focused this time. Cause... It'll be like a really yeah, soft time. Is like constrained. Yet yeah, this is the only recording where we just talked utter nonsense. Before. A seventeen-minute soft intro. <laughs> Utter nonsense. <laughs> Listen, and halfway through, you play the, like whatever your jingle is. We have designed and essentially written an amazing comedy night. It's true. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Thigh Gap. <laughs>